You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Oh, so Sanger, I brought you a gift for our recording. Okay. All right, for today. All right, let me get... Because I went to the store on the way over here. You can either have peach oolong tea okay or moroccan mint green tea oh moroccan mint damn it that's the one i wanted all right all right take the moroccan mint green tea hey this is honest tea not a liar <laughs> what? not a liar oh, not a liar tea, tea. Yeah. yeah did you know why i brought this to you do i know why you brought honest tea because <laughs> we're talking to barry nebuff today who is the founder of honest tea Oh, uh, no, really? Yeah. No, uh-uh. I kid you not. No way. Yeah. All right. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? I drink this all the time. I know. So, all right. So take a, take a, I, I don't. So I'm going to, I'm going to try it for the, I haven't tried peach oolong tea. It's oh, pretty, that reminds me of Morocco. I love, man, Morocco. Do you realize how much sugar they put in that <sighs> tea in Morocco? Like we were there and they would make it in that little pot and oh, nice and piping hot, piping yeah. hot. Right. And they would put in a chunk of sugar in this little teapot. Did they really? Probably, oh, the size of a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. didn't know. Oh, yeah. And just tons of the, the, the mint. It was just mint. They would boil the water, put the mint in. And then you remember how they would hold it up and like pour it from like three feet in the air? I don't. And aerate the, the tea. And then, oh, they had like so much <clears throat> sugar in there. That's why it was so good. Yeah, everything that's good has sugar in it. This is, has nine grams. So you is know, that a lot though? Is nine grams? No, like a, a Dr. Pepper's like forty. Okay, so it's not bad. Only yeah. thirty-five calories. Yeah, sixteen carbs. I mean, they're they're also not. Oh, more. mine has more sugars. Mine has sixteen grams of sugars. Why is mine? Am I, I don't even get the benefit. Yours has got to be better. It's just a tad sweet, Dad. That's what they say. Okay, all right. So anyway, I am interested in talking to Barry. Find out how he started that and sold it. He sold it to Coca Cola. Oh, really? Coca-Cola owns like all They own everything. The they own like water, like Dasani water. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And Minute Maid. That's the end goal when you own a Well, no, I just, company. I think if you, if you own sodas that you got to figure out how to diversify because people, I think yeah. people are drinking less. Yeah. They're getting the sugary getting a little, sodas. A little bit of heat. Yeah. guest today is the founder of Honest Tea. He's the Milton Steinbeck professor at Yale School of Management for 30 years. He's taught negotiation, innovation, strategy, and game theory. He's the co-author of six books and an online course. In 1998, Barry Nailbuff and his uh, former student, Seth Goldman, co-founded Honest Tea. It's a company that sells ready-to-drink iced tea that tastes like actual tea. And today I had one of many uh, bottles throughout my life of honesty is fantastic, delicious, and tastes wonderful. Um, it, they were one of Inc. Magazine's fastest growing companies. They've sold 2 billion bottles of tea. And in 2011, the company was purchased by Coca-Cola. He had a second venture uh, in the beverage world called Kombucha. It's a slightly alcoholic version of Kombucha. Uh, that company was acquired in 2016 by AB InBev, and he's currently working with Quaker Oats to help create Maker Oats, an unusually thoughtful overnight oats product. 
and he announced on our podcast a uh, new beverage company that he's working on with Seth Goldman called Just Ice Tea. Uh, he works with so many entrepreneurial firms, serves on the board of Q Drinks, Calicraft Beer, and AGP Glass. He has extensive experience consulting with over 50 multinational firms. He advised the NBA in their prior negotiations with National Basketball Players Association, served on the board at Nationwide Insurance, graduate of MIT, Rhodes Scholar, junior fellow at Harvard's Society of Fellows, and a doctorate from Oxford University. (laughs) (laughs) Made us feel stupid. Might be the longest bio I've ever read on this show. One of the smartest guys we've had on this show. One of the most insightful conversations that Sean and I have had on this show. I know you're going to learn a lot from our conversation with Barry. I'm Sanger Smith with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey, Barry. Greetings. I uh, I got the mint tea, the Moroccan mint tea. And this reminded me of a trip that Sean and I took, like, I don't know, like 15 years ago. This tastes exactly, exactly like the tea that I had in Morocco. (laughs) So I I know, I know that I have you to, to thank for the company. I don't know how much credit you get for this individual flavor though. Uh, I get a lot of credit for that flavor. The, it was one of our original five. Oh, really? We were starting the company. We needed to come up with five flavors very quickly. And so Essentially, we stole flavors from around the world, which was how do people drink green tea in Morocco? Well, they add honey and mint. Uh, so, okay, we've got Moroccan green, Moroccan mint. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you know the update. No. No. So Coca-Cola about three weeks ago decided to discontinue Honesty. Really? And they're keeping Honest Kids, but they are ending what has been now, I guess, a 24-year run. Uh, and that made Seth and I quite sad. Yeah. But uh, we got the band back together. And we've started a new company, and we'll be on the shelves in October. And what's, the new co- what's the new company? It's called Just Ice Tea, which uh-huh. can also be read as... Justice. Justice Tea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What inspired that is that, I mean, obviously you, you read it immediately. You're like, oh, honesty, like clever name. Think about it for a little bit longer than just the pun. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're, they're communicating something to me here. Yeah. And now you're going guys... from honest to justice. There, there's a broader theme. Well, in this particular case, one of the things that happened is that we had really developed strong relationships with farmers and we had mm. encouraged farmers to move to organic tea and then to fair trade tea. And that was making a huge difference in the lives of these communities. And when Coca-Cola decided to stop Honest Tea, this was one of the largest purchasers of fair trade tea in the world. And so these farmers were going to be left high and dry. And we couldn't let that happen. And so we see this as justice for the farmers and for our customers, who we also didn't want to leave high and dry. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, you've got to be pretty motivated by that story because I imagine, you know, having sold a product to Coca-Cola, you, you're not doing this to pay the bills. There's truth to that. Uh, yeah. as I, I, I joke that after the, the sale of the company, I could do anything I wanted in my life, and I'm living in the same house 
teaching the same, doing the same job and married yeah. to the same woman. My view is that's actually what you want to do in life is basically make sure that if you could do anything, you'd actually be doing what you're currently doing. I, I just had that conversation with somebody yesterday. Uh, we were talking about wealth uh, accumulation and I said, you know, if there's so many people out there, if they can just keep the same job, the same house, the same spouse, they do just fine. <laughs> and it's the division of any of those that is this. <laughs> Once you start changing those up. Oh, you change any of those. It, there's some, <laughs> there's some friction in the, in the growth curve there. <laughs> That's a great yeah. point. So you went for, you actually wrote a book about that process. Didn't you? Uh, the book is called yeah. mission in a bottle. It was written with my former student partner and now teacher Seth Goldman. And we did it in comic book form because we wanted to really make it accessible to the current generation. And also the story is one that really does come alive, I think, through images. I was doing some digging before we uh, were set to talk with you. And I, I was looking at all the different books you'd written and, you know, holy cow, you know, save some books for somebody else to write, wouldn't you? Seven books on different, not all in one topic even. There's truth to that. So tell me about the the concept on the Split the Pie book that came out in March. I was intrigued by the name because I, I had read the book by Chris Voss, which is different from that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, never split the difference. Sure. And so I wanted to reconcile how those, how your approach is, is different or contrasting between that. Yeah, well, uh, I think there's a lot of complementarity. Chris says early on that you should talk about giving the person a fair deal, check in that you're giving them a fair deal, that they're seeing it as fair. But one of the things he never does is define what fair means. And people tend to come up with a notion of fairness that is self-interested. So the question really is, uh, what is the negotiation about? Because it's strange to say this, but most people are confused on what they're negotiating over. And if they actually understood the negotiation pie, the way in which people go about splitting it would be a whole lot easier, a lot less conflict. You don't have to be a jerk to succeed in negotiation if you really know what the negotiation is about. So you probably went through some negotiations with Coca-Cola when they did. acquired Honesty. Did those negotiations inform the work that you did? Yeah, in, it was uh, actually the first it? time the theory of the pie was put into practice. I had been teaching it at Yale for many years, but uh, when it came time to negotiate with Coke, it was like, okay, let's see if it works. And <laughs> how did that how did that go? Ah, I think both sides actually uh, liked it. So here was the problem we had. At the time, honesty sales were around 25 million, and that was too small to fit into Coca-Cola's world. So okay. uh, they said, look, we'd like to buy you, but can we buy you in three years when you're a little bit bigger? Mm, we said, okay. Okay, yeah, that, that that works. And during those three years, we're gonna help you with marketing, with production, with purchasing. Great. Yeah, I, I like that. Okay. It's one right. of the reasons why we want to do things with you. Would th those expenditures come off the sale price, I would guess, right? Well, that was the whole, now this question, which is, okay. it's like, okay, we're going to help you, but we don't want to pay more for the help that we're creating. Right. And, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, we just want to make it a safer deal when we do it. Okay. Yeah. And so my response is, well, actually, you should pay not full price more for the help that you're providing, but you should pay half price on the help you're providing, because it's true we need your help, 
but you need us to be the party that's helped. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you some more examples of that, which will help make it clear. But so what we said is you should pay full price up to sales of X. And to the extent that we get sales above X, then you only have to pay half price on sales above that level. Okay. And X is what we think we could do without you. And right. above X, we can only do with your help. Fair enough. And we then spent uh, a week arguing about what full price meant and what X was. <laughs> yeah. right. But Bad. in the first hour, we had an agreement on this framework, which was let's create a big pie, that is sales above X, and let's split it. And then the rest is sort of a data exercise. So I want to turn negotiation from a sort of uh, who can make ultimatums, who can shout louder, and so on, into let's understand what we're negotiating over and agree to make a big pie and split it. So break break that down a little bit more, Barry. The concept is create a bigger pie and everybody who's getting a piece of this pie is going to end up having more pie in their mouth, even if the pieces are smaller, but the pie is bigger. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's that I'm agreeing up front and how we're we going to negotiate. So let's agree that what we're going to do is split this pie. Mm-hmm. Now that we've gotten rid of the contentious part, let's work together to make the pie big. Yeah, it's not my pie. It's not your pie. It's our pie. So if we can grow the pie, we're all happy. Yeah. And people talk about zero-sum negotiations, but actually negotiations are never zero-sum because if we don't reach a deal, we both get zero. And so actually that's the disastrous outcome. Yeah. And people, as you you guys specialize in behavioral economics, well, you know people will reject deals they see as unfair. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you offer somebody an 80-20 ultimatum, they're in the 20 side, they just say, no, you both get zero. So if you can convince somebody that this deal you're proposing is fair, then you're all set. How challenging was it to convince Coca-Cola that the deal was fair? Well, again, they agreed up front that this idea of splitting the gains above X was exactly the right strategy. So let me give you uh, another example. I've got this uh, friend uh, who made a rookie mistake. Uh, He went to buy a, a trademark without hiring a lawyer. And what he forgot was that trademark filings are public. And then when he went to buy the domain name associated with the trademark, he discovered that this troll, who I'll call Edward Kahn, because that's his name, uh, had bought the... uh... (laughs) Had gone and bought the URL associated with the domain name. Was just trailing behind... the, the well, he's telling people, about it just buying the domains yeah, after people, people file. That's a that's a real snake strategy to make some money is you just uh, wait oh for God. those trademarks to get filed by the name immediately and go, all yeah. right, this guy's yeah. going to come ask me for money one day. Yeah, and so basically my friend uh, does the search, discovers Edward Kahn has it, writes to him, and Edward writes back saying, sorry, didn't realize it was related to your domain name. Yeah, right, sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, happy to sell it back to you for $2,500. Okay. Well, my friend is dumb, but he's not an idiot. And he does some search <laughs> and he discovers this organization called ICANN. And ICANN right. does the uh, handing out of domain names and sure. it's a dispute. They have a dispute resolution process. And what Edward had done is called registration in bad faith. And it turns out Edward has a track record here. He'd been taken to ICANN many times. He's always loses. Not only does he lose, he doesn't even bother protesting because he knows he's going to lose. So why bother spending the effort? 
Oh, wow. Okay. So, so if, if somebody is sort of caught operating in bad faith, the ICANN, which is the regulatory agency, you know, sort of covering those domain names, mm -hmm. just comes in and goes, oh, you know, we see what you're trying to do here. You know, don't be, yeah. a, don't be a jerk. Okay. You are a jerk, jerk. actually. Yeah, you're a, a jerk. jerk. And I'm we're taking not going to let away you from... continue to be a jerk. Okay. I'm going to take this away from you. Okay. Uh, and the only problem is ICANN doesn't do this for free. It costs $1,300. Mm. So, okay. So my so friend writes out back 1300 bucks at the minimum. So my friend writes back to Edward and says, look, uh, you know, there's 2,500 bucks. That's not going to work. I'd rather go to ICANN and pay 1300 and you get zero. Right. Uh, so I'll give you 500. Uh, and Edward writes back and says, uh, well, you know, uh, 1100, uh, <laughs> and seal the deal. Say yes. Now let's close this thing. I'm going away. Uh, it's my best offer. So Edward's starting off and he's trying to anchor with a really high number. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he's now trying to do time pressure. Right. So uh, I guess my question to you is, what is this negotiation pie and who has more power here? And let's, let's say for argument's sake that my friend values this domain name at $20,000. Right. Okay. That was a question. Well, I would, I would say that you're, yeah, that's interesting. It seems like they should just, he should pay him 650 would be the top. Just split, split the pie to steal a reference. So let's start, uh, with, let's start with the point. Is what is the negotiation pie? And, yeah. and it's exactly 1300. The yeah, fact that my friend values this at 40,000 is irrelevant. 20,000 is irrelevant. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter right. what it, what right. it's worth because he doesn't need to pay any more than 1300. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know anything less than 1300. Uh, a win for and here's, here's how I would think about it. You yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. I would look at it and go, is it worth $200? Edward offered me $1,100. Yeah. I could pay $1,300 to yeah. not to have, to, him get to have it done. Yeah. Is it worth $200 to me to bone Edward? Yes. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want you to take out that mean bone in your body. Uh, and... Uh, okay, just, now I'm thinking emotionless about I this. this yeah, is, be, be, I, I don't hate Edward in this scenario. Right. Yeah. How much is it worth to you to have Edward get zero? Yeah. Right. No, no. It's just how much I'm trying to basically get the best deal I can. And who oh, has more okay. power in this negotiation? We've agreed, great, that this negotiation is over $1,300. That's the pie. Yeah. Is my friend more powerful or is Edward more powerful here? Your friend. Your, because, friend is. Uh, your friend can control whether Edward gets zero. Actually. Edward can control when my friend gets zero. <laughs> I'm learning. I, do. I know. This I would fail every, out of Yale. Every freaking question he asks, yeah, I get the wrong answer. What's true about the deal? They have to shake hands, right? If right. either okay, yeah. party says no, there's no deal. Okay. So my friend needs Edward, and Edward needs my friend. If my friend says no, Edward gets zero, but my friend pays 1300 Yes. And so, essentially, to save that thirteen hundred, both sides have to agree on how it's split. So, uh, so I think, as Sean says, six fifty, six fifty is the right answer. Yeah, well, so and I did have the right answer. Uh, All right. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. redeemed. But I'm redeemed. All right. Uh, and Edward has proposed a split, which is eleven hundred to him, two hundred to my friend. Now, you could flip that and say, "Look, Edward, I'll pay you two hundred. But that's actually called fighting fire with fire, and that's just going to piss Edward off. So right. rather then he's going to just say, screw you. Right. Yeah. So rather than say that, say, look, you know, for the same reason that you wouldn't accept 200, which is 200, which is 1100 gain for me and 200 for you, you shouldn't expect me to 
get, uh, accept 1,100, 200 split the other way. Mm-hmm. And that there's 1,300 right. split. I'm willing to give you 650. I'll be up 650. And that's as far as I'm willing to go. So Edward comes back and says uh, 900. And basically that's kind of halfway between 650 and 11. Right. He thought this was a normal negotiation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and my friend at that point doesn't write back, doesn't answer him. And a week later, Edward says, fine, 650. And they use escrow.com. And the thing is, Edward doesn't care about the pie. He doesn't care about fairness. He's a troll. He's a snake. So why did this work? And the answer is is that my friend cared about those things. And Edward understood that. And if Edward wanted to do a deal, then he had to do a fair deal. So if you're splitting the pie, there's ultimately the laws of nature are going to result in this deal being a fair deal. Yeah. It, unless you're dealing with a troll who can't figure no, that out. No, no. Even if you're even if you're dealing with the worst person in the world, yeah. the, the worst, dumbest person in the world can figure that out. You can explain to them, and they don't have to care about fairness, but if they understand that you do and you've offered a fair deal, then what they're doing is throwing spaghetti up on the wall and seeing if anything sticks. They have no principles. And so, yeah, so they could do anything. Yeah, you can so, get someone without principles to mold to your principles. Well, to a principle, a real yeah, principle. To any oh, principle. It, it, it's a real one. There is no other one. Uh, yeah. It's basically, I, this is, and as you probably guessed, by the way, that idiot was me. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> uh, and the other lesson is buy the damn domain name before filing for the trademark. It's, it's twelve fifty. <laughs> Save you a lot of money. And note also, people say that you should anchor at a high number when you start a negotiation, but actually that hurt Edward because then he has to move from 2,500 uh, 2, to 1,100 to 900. So it says to me, he's like Jello. Nothing he says, you know, he has no backbone. Yeah. Well, that's that always frustrates me in negotiations when people tell me, oh, this is my last and final offer, can't do any better. And then you they call do. their bluff and then they do. Yeah. So like everything and, they said is a lie. Yeah. And it makes me just think, you know what? The reason that you're not getting that extra 300, Edward, is because you don't have any principles. It's because you're a liar. It's because you were going, it's because you told me you wouldn't take less than 900. And then you did. And then you did. And that's why you deserve to pay it. Well, I, I still offered him a fair deal. Unlike you, who just want to bone him. Uh, I would just screw him. <laughs> yeah, I would just, I would just say, get well, you're out just, of You're just a spiteful I'm person. I'm just not like a nice person to people that yeah. try to mess with me. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, but that's but that is the difference because you've got the you can you can do a better job of removing your emotions from a decision like that. And I admittedly would have a lot of negative emotions. Yeah. So a lot so of people how do you talk, talk about negotiate emotions and negotiations? And my view right. is there's not enough logic in negotiations. If we can just well, add that's, some that's damn what logic, I was ask you. we can bring down the temperature. Yeah. So how do we how do we figure out because that one's pretty simple. The pie is 1300 bucks in that example you were using. Okay. How do we figure out what the pie is normally? Because, you know, in your example with Coca-Cola, that's, you're, you're trying to define what the pie is. You know, everything well, above X, where does it yeah. start? Where does it well, end? It's a, it's a right. data exercise in that case. Right. It's, okay, market price for sales up to X, that's what were the deals with Sobe and Fuse and all the other companies that are out there. Uh-huh. Uh, what should X be? It's how fast have we been growing? So let me give you another example. You can uh, help my mom in this case. Uh, she ended up buying a house in Sarasota. She was living okay. there as a renter. 
the person who was the landlord said, it's a hot market with work from home. I'm putting this house up in the market. Uh, and I'm planning, I think I can get 800000 for it, but I'll sell it to you for seven ninety. Okay. Okay. So now right. my quiz question again, what's the pie here? 10,000 bucks. No, that's what he's offered her, but that isn't. Well, he's, a, he's, well, I guess if, if the 800,000 is a real number, yeah, the 790 and the split would be the, the 10,000, but I guess we don't know the 800,000 if yeah. that's so, a real number. So let me go back and define the pie because it's probably okay. helpful. The pie is the value created by these two people doing a deal. It's, what these people can create that other people can't. So with myself and Edward, we could save $1,300 by not going to ICANN. With Coca-Cola and Honest Tea, we could get sales above X that weren't possible if we didn't do this deal. So what is the value my mother can create by being the buyer of this house compared to other people being the buyer of this house? Jeez, I don't know. You stumped me. If he can get more... Well, then... let's say 800000 for the moment is the... Market price, what he'll get by selling the house to anybody else. Okay, then he'd get uh, 94% of 800. Yeah, so he'd get actually 760, uh, 94%, uh, let's call it 95%, 5% real estate commission. Okay. Yeah. All so right. basically, he'd lose $40,000 is going to go to a real estate agent. Yeah. Okay. okay. I see. I see. Okay. All right. What else? Well, my mom would have to pay costs to move to some other place. So physical mm. costs, the movers, psychic costs. Yeah. He would have to spend okay. some money fixing up the place, repainting, putting in new carpets and the like. He might also okay. end up with the place being empty for a month or two while it's on the market. Oh, okay. So I see I see how you're thinking about this now. So the pie then in that example is his real estate transaction cost, her moving her moving costs, uh his possible vacancy costs. Yeah. And and that's so the value of doing a deal is all of that. So what, 790 is is not a fair deal for your mom. Yeah, so what is the pie here? Well, let's call his fixing up costs and my mom's moving costs a wash. Let's call those equal. And there's the $40,000 real estate agent commission. Okay. Okay, all right. And so my mom writes back and says, look, I think we can save this $40,000 commission by doing transaction between the two of us. And these other factors kind of cancel out. Right, don't put so it on I'm the market, just sell it to me. Right. So I'm prepared to buy it from you at the market price minus 20,000. Basically okay. split the commission. All right. He writes back and says, I don't think you get it. It's a hot market. And that's why I'm, I deserve more of the commission. <laughs> I don't think you get it, sir. <laughs> and the answer is you don't quite get it because the hot market means the market price is high. Right. But it doesn't mean that you have any more power over the 40000 If you sell to anybody else at 800000 you get seven sixty. Yeah. If my right. mom buys the equivalent house for anybody else, she's going to have to pay eight hundred. And so the only way to get that 760 to 800 gap is you're the seller and my mom is the buyer. Right. That's the only pie there is. The only way to get that 40000 Yeah, that's the pie. only way to get that, that pie in that situation because if she walks away, he's, he's paying 40 at least. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so he gets it. He agrees. And then he really gets religion and says, you know what? <laughs> Let's use the same lawyer for the closing. Why double legal costs? We yeah. can basically save money that way okay. too. Okay. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the natural way to think about negotiation. No, it's but, not. Yeah. But when you see it correctly, you appreciate that both parties have equal power. Are the, is, there the always, is there always a pie? There, well, no. Sometimes they shouldn't be. You know, 
uh, sometimes there's no deal to be done. Well, no, okay. I mean, I mean, for example, uh, let's say it's not, you know, it's it's not a, a house. It's just, you know, I'm selling something that wouldn't have such a big transaction cost, uh, yeah. real estate commission fee, something like that. I'm just selling a, a bicycle or something. Um, then doesn't it just become a, a negotiation on price alone? There's no split the pie. So my question is, is, is there always a split the pie? Oh, yeah, there is. I mean, look, if I value something above what you're willing to sell it for, the pie is that gap. So if you're willing to sell the bike at 30 bucks and I'm willing to pay 50, then there's a $20 spread and that's the pie. Now we don't always okay. know what the pie is. Sometimes it's hidden. People try and pretend things that are different. I've given right. you examples where the pie is known in essence. Okay. We can, For, ca we okay. can calculate it. Well, the example you just gave would be one, I guess, yeah. 40,000. So maybe in those scenarios where we have people, like I, I think all three of us have probably tried to make a deal with someone where we at some point where we go, geez, why would this guy not take this? I'm giving them right. way more than a fair offer. I'm I'm bending over backwards to make this right. deal. This seems like a good deal. Yeah, I feel like I've I've gotten I've had deals where I go into them and I want to make a deal so bad uh, that I ultimately like the pride in the game of making the deal becomes so, so I'm like chasing that so much that I've passed the point where I've split the pie evenly. I'm like, I'm not even, this isn't even a good deal for me anymore. I'm just like just trying to see if I can get it done. Um, you kind of get to that point after you realize or like before you realize that you are there. Um, but, but uh, you know, I've, I've had those moments before I'm like, God, I'm offering a really, really sweet deal here. Yeah. This person just won't take it. Not reasonable. Well, or you actually, there are two things you didn't do in my view. One is you didn't really explain to them why it was a great deal. But yeah. more than that, you didn't start the negotiation with how it is you're going to negotiate. If you said, look, can we agree up front that what we're going to do is create a great deal for the two of us and split the gains, split the pie? Yeah. And basically, if they said the answer to that question is yes, now all you have to do is convince them this is what the pie is, and that's why we're splitting it evenly. Yeah. Hmm. So right, people jump way too quickly to talk about price. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's terrible in my view. Better is to talk about interest, not positions, as in getting to yes. But even better still is to talk about what the process yeah, is. Yeah, that's be. true. Everyone kind of starts with price. All right, so this is what I think. Boom. Well, Boom. I, th I think it's worth X, right? You yeah. think it's worth Y, and then we we get. And then to... now we're mad at each other. Well, we gotta we gotta reconcile. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah. Mm. So it's also like, what else? You know, I said, look, I know at some point we're gonna talk about price. I got that. But is there anything else that's going to matter to you besides price, move-in date, closing dates, furniture, uh, cash bid, mortgage contingencies? Well, we're kind of set up to fail then in the housing market where everything is listed by price and we filter by price. Okay. But we can try and fix that, right? When you start your, when you start your communications, see if you can do better. I don't know. Can well, I, there's a lot of that in, in home negotiations where you yeah, say, well, you know, yeah, I, want but you, you gotta, I want you to leave this. You're not that. even in the door without starting at price. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy market right now. You're starting with price, though. Well, again, people care about things like, is there a mortgage contingency? How long is it going to take to do the inspection? Mm. Uh, when do you want to move in quickly or slowly? Uh, do you want an early close or late close? Uh, yeah. Tell me, does anything else matter to you besides price? If in the end they say nothing besides price, okay, then I get it. But it's rare that that's true. Yeah, that people will say that, but they don't really mean it. I'm going to shift gears. 
How did you end up consulting with the NBA? Uh, I answered the phone. Uh, one day. They called you up? They called me up. David Stern called me up on the phone, invited me down to come talk to them. I had written an op-ed uh, yeah. talking about this idea of a virtual strike where essentially the players keep on playing and the fans keep on watching, but essentially the players don't get paid and the owners don't get paid. So we don't screw the fans, but we have the I same- I love e that one, actually. Same I economic like hardship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think five years earlier, he had read that, we had talked about it, and he decided it was just too wacky. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but- uh, or too know, logical, too know. logical. And then five years later, uh, it turned out that in the next, uh, CBA negotiation, collective bargaining negotiation, the players had a brilliant economist working for them. Uh, and, uh, so the owners thought maybe they should have, uh, at least a good economist, uh, working for them. Uh, and that gave me an opportunity to really start applying some of these theories to the case of, uh, collective bargaining. So, so you worked in the, you worked on behalf of the, the NBA and the ownership or the owners correct. to, yep. um, I worked with the billionaires it. versus the tall millionaires. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> which, you know what? It's so funny. It's so funny how, like, I feel like, uh, the ultra wealthy are really like not a group that ever anyone ever defends right in any area except for sports owners because the the fans will look at the players and be like those players they're making so much money we don't like those players they're making way too much money and then we so we take the defense of the owners who are <laughs> making 10 times the money well uh, again by the way if there is no deal guess what happens yeah we there's no game there's no season yeah. so yeah. it's true yeah. that the players say oh we're the game you know, without us, there's no game. Well, as we discovered during a lockout, without the owners, there's no game either. So yeah. Well, and I, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the NFL did that and then brought in uh, the scrubs, they called them, yeah. you know, just brought in other other guys to just play. That didn't work uh, so well. No, it didn't. I, it, nobody's done it since. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the ref strike in the NFL? No, I'm talking about no, the No, 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 I'm right. saying, remember the ref strike? Yeah. Everyone thought the refs, who cares about the refs? The refs are going on strike. Get yeah. them out of here. Just get some I, could, other refs. I could ref the game. <laughs> and then they had the backup refs. Oh, that oh was... complaints about refs for the next season and a half were just non-existent. <laughs> They're like, oh, you actually guys, it must be really yeah, hard. Those guys were actually those other guys were way worse than y'all. <laughs> and I don't those think too many players are gonna go off to Russia now if the uh if the if the whole season doesn't work here. Yeah. Oh well they're yeah, and all it took was one uh one player going to Russia and having a terrible experience. Brittany Griner still in yeah. prison. Uh, um so yeah, no one's going to Russia. Um no. but but what so the pie there is in that negotiation between the owners and the players is is the season is all yeah, of the value that's created by fans watching it on TV, going in person, the uh the marketing that goes associated with sneakers or other endorsement contracts. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did how did that negotiation mind. resolve itself? What, what did you guys have to decide on in, in that one that you were involved with? Uh, what ended up happening was the two sides were a little bit apart. Uh, they negotiated generally as a function of uh, share of revenue. And okay. at one point, the players were asking for 51% of revenue and the owners were offering 50 
And let's be clear that 50% of revenue was still 100% of profits. So, wow. Uh, and uh, why would they take? Why would they even offer that? Yeah, what, that didn't make any sense. Well, because the old contract was 57% of revenue, and they were losing a couple hundred million dollars a year. So this was a step in the right well, direction. These owners were losing money. Yeah. Why would they? Uh, but okay, so why would they take that deal? Why would they well, even they, offer? That's that why deal? they were prepared to do a lockout. They were tired of losing money. They were tired of losing money. Yeah, there's money. no point. The lockout can go forever in that case. Uh, well, you start damaging the brand. And so then it's not what so What brand? Good. It's a lose, it loses money. I, I, no, but if you then have a different contract, you you can have a, a contract that makes money, but yeah. you don't want to lose the the brand of, uh, you want to destroy the pie in the process of trying to split it well, up. Okay. Fairly. Well, I can understand now why they would, why, how you get to a lockout. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I'm at 57%, I'm losing money, I'm drowning in, in debt. So to speak, you know, I'm losing money every year then, but why would they start the negotiation? Why would they anchor to, you can have all my money rather than me losing yeah. money. You can well, just have started, all of it. They started off at 37%. Okay. Uh, and, over time, it, one thing led to another, and they finally got to uh, a 50-51 uh, divide. And in the end, the smart thing was decided was uh, if revenues were above target, then the owners could be more generous. Because when revenues are above target, there are more profits to be split. Okay. And if revenues okay. were below target, then the owners could be less generous. And so instead of just having a fixed split, the split could adjust based on how revenues compared to targets. So, okay. so you had a dynamic split. Yeah. And that actually allowed the players to get 51% what they were asking for when times were good and gave the owners the 50% split when times weren't as good. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. So it was like a variable rate. A variable split. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, it's, you're giving people what it is. One of my theories of negotiations, you want to give the SI what it is they want. Not because you want to be generous or nice, but if they get what they want, then you can get what you want. Mm. And the players got to be creative to get that. Yeah, which is Most another people reason. Creative. Most people which are is, not creative. Yeah. Well, with with negotiations. So no. why? Because if I've been butting heads with you for the last hour, days, weeks, then I'm exasperated. I'm exhausted. I don't trust you. So actually, I think creativity should be a first resort, not a last resort. And if I can change the way we negotiate by starting off and talking about, can we agree to split the pie? Now let's focus on being creative and how it is we can make a big pie. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I had a um, deal for a property that I was purchasing that I had offered a certain price and said, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I don't, I'm going to have to finance this for you, uh, but I'm going to get you a check. Uh, but right now, you know, I just don't quite like, I don't really, I don't, I don't, it's not worth the risk to me to make this, um, 20%, uh, to the bank. If I can finance the majority of it through the bank and then a small amount from you, I'll actually yeah. raise the purchase price. Sure. So you will get the exact same dollar amount check yeah. from mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. on closing. And then yeah. I will then owner finance to you the yeah. spread between the original yeah. sale price and the new sale price. Mm -hmm. And this person was like, you know, it just made them uncomfortable. They didn't understand it. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, buy the same property for the exact same original price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with that deal. 
<laughs> but it's it's kind of a curious like okay well if you were if we were willing to think creatively we could have gotten here without all these problems and it would have been better off for you yeah well i would say a lot of people when they're selling deals sell the deal based on what's good for them not what's good for the other side and so you really have to explain to the other side look i'm prepared to give you your asking price plus now extra yeah, uh, but I'm going to give it to you in a different way. Yeah, uh, and some of that's going to be essentially a note. Yeah, uh, and the good news is is that if your property is really worth what you say it's worth, then that note's fine. Now, if it turns out that you've oversold what this property is ultimately worth, then the note may not be as good. But in which case, your property isn't worth what you say it's worth. So, how do you go in a, on a negotiation like that where you where you want to move from price over to a sort of pie? Mm -hmm discussion right um and you you want to start the discussion with let's talk about how we're going to negotiate mm -hmm. how do you how do you enter into that discussion yeah, so you can do it the, I, I like using humor sometimes in negotiations so okay. it could be hey what do you say we each lie to each other and do ultimatums and act like jerks uh maybe not <laughs> yeah I, I don't like that approach either that's uh so i read i listened to this uh, decidedly podcast and uh Crazy, there's this, this wacko professor who's got this tea business and investing business and negotiation <laughs> stuff. Uh, but you know, it kind of that resonated with me. And can I share with you this idea about splitting the pie? And uh, let me explain to you what it's about and give them some Perfect. examples. And yeah, uh, and look, you know, I, I want to do something that's fair. And what I'm going to propose about being fair isn't going to be based on my position or your position. It's going to be objectively fair. Mm. How, how do you have the time to do all the things that you do? Because I would imagine running a company like Honesty was not a part-time job. Well, the great news is that I had wonderful partners. Seth Goldman, who was my student and the CEO of Honest Tea, was the CEO. My job was being the chair of the board. And uh -huh. my job was to help him be successful because if he succeeded, I'd succeed. And that often. What's your, what's your role in the new company going to be? Uh, I'm also on the board of the new company. Yeah. Yeah. And I helped him in terms of coming up with a valuation when we raised money and how to justify that valuation. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking with investors to let him focus on running the business because oftentimes CEOs get distracted from their operational job with the financing part. And I'm pretty right. good at the financing side, uh, worked on the graphic design. And uh, so essentially uh, we each have different strengths and my goal is to uh, let him do the parts that he does brilliantly. And, uh, keep my day job as a professor. Well, thanks so much for being here, Barry. I I learned a lot. Um, I think we failed your quiz. Oh, um, yeah. I don't want any more questions from Barry. I, I, I feel so intimidated. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> no. I thought I thought that was it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, you made me question things, and you made me question the way that that um, that I think, and that's how I know I'm learning something. So, thanks yeah. for being a part of this. Thank you for inviting me. And I want to encourage you to offer your clients the opportunity to be a little bit more robotic and say, look, here are two sets of advice. 
and I'm prepared to tell you this is what I think is really the right strategy. Uh, but I'm worried that you don't won't be able to execute it. And so this yeah. is the version that most people end up doing. But you know, you may not be like most people. Or here's the steps that you can take along those directions. Yeah. Uh, no, I love that, and uh, I will reference this conversation when uh, I do. Where can people I'm, Where can people find your newest book? Uh, they can go, of course, to Amazon to uh, splitthepiebook.com, where we give away the first chapter. There are lots of videos they can see. And then, uh, this is killing me, but there's a free online course that I created on Coursera that you can take. And you get my lectures, animations, students of mine, uh, recreating negotiations with debriefs afterwards, postmortems, if you'd like. Uh, so I hope people will find that a useful tool when they try and help explain to other folks why they should split the pie. People are just afraid of negotiation. They don't like it because... They think the other side's acting like a jerk and then they have to act like a jerk and they don't like how they're acting themselves. They're not successful at it because they're not good at being a jerk. And so this shows actually a principal way to negotiate how you can be successful without being a jerk. Yeah, people people are afraid of negotiations and I think this is gonna that'll that'll help a lot. You you gave me a lot of tools that as we were talking, I'm like writing down or noting in my head, like, oh man, okay, I got to go back to this person. <laughs> this deal I was working renegotiate on. Renegotiate a deal you made. Hey man, remember when I offered you that terrible deal and you didn't take it? I um, <laughs> try this on for I, size. Yeah, <laughs> I think I have a better one now. My my takeaway from our discussion with Barry is that number one, I'm glad I wasn't in his class at Yale because every question he asked me, I felt like I was being set up and I always <laughs> had the wrong, the wrong answer. But my my takeaway from a decision-making standpoint is that in looking at negotiations, the first decision you have to make is determining how you're going to negotiate or what points are going to be uh, the negotiation uh, discussion. Yeah, determining the parameters of the negotiation before you start um talking numbers um my biggest takeaway was his concept of splitting the pie right the pie is the what is to be gained by the two of us doing a deal together and by determining the pie clearly articulating the pie then we can split the pie and it made me reflect a lot on a lot of decisions i made where we never talked about the pie and i probably didn't ever know what the pie was you just made a great decision to listen to this episode of decidedly Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.